this morning I want to talk to you a message called I'm Addicted. Everyone say, I'm Addicted. Some of you are thinking right now, what am I addicted to? Some of you, it's binge watching Netflix. This has been the year, hasn't it? Don't you look at me like that. This has been the year of binge watching Netflix, hasn't it? Come on, what else do we do in lockdown? Some people are like, I went for walks and I had exercise. <laughs> well, 80% of us sat there eating packets of chips and binge watching Netflix, yes? This <sighs> is a tough crowd today. We're all addicted to something. We all have little addictions. Some people are addicted to Christmas. Some people are addicted to Christmas carols. Some people are addicted to all sorts of things. Some people are addicted to their Weber kettle barbecue. Some people are addicted to all sorts of different things. And, and I want to talk to you this morning about what I believe the Scripture teaches us that we should be addicted to. We think that addictions on a whole are a bad thing, but actually there's a good addiction that the Bible talks about that you and I should have in our lives. And it starts in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 17 to 18. This is the Apostle Paul talking, and he says, I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus and for, for Trinitus and Achacus. For what was lacking on your part, they supplied. For they refreshed my spirit and yours. He says earlier in verse 15, he says, I urge you, brethren, or I urge you, everybody, or the church, when you know, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaica, and that they have addicted themselves, everyone say addicted themselves, to the ministry of the saints or the ministry of people. They have addicted themselves to ministering to people. I, I love what it says here because he, he says that I'm glad that they came because when they came, not only did they refresh you, but they also refreshed me. And then he shows us in verse 15 the reason why he refreshed them so much. The reason why these guys were so refreshing is because they were addicted to ministering to people. They had an addiction to helping people. They had an addiction to do something. And here's the thing, is that it was actually intentional because it says that they addicted themselves. It, it doesn't say that somebody talked them into it. It didn't say that because they got tapped on the shoulder by the pastor or tapped on the shoulder by a leader, or tapped on the shoulder by somebody, that they started to do it. But it says that they addicted themselves. That says to me that they were intentional about their addiction. They were intentionally made sure that they were addicted to loving on people, caring for people, serving, being part of the kingdom of God. They, they were very intentional about what they did. They made a choice to do this. It wasn't something forced upon them. It was something that they chose to do. And because they chose to do that, Paul says, it refreshed me. It refreshed me. I don't know about you, but I think we're living in a time right now that people need refreshing, yes? Anybody here, since you've been so disobedient this morning, anybody here not need refreshing? So that means everybody needs refreshing. So why, when I say everybody in the world needs refreshing right now, you would say... Yay, there we go. Well done. And I believe that it's so important that we, like these guys, understand what it is that we need to do to not only refresh each other, to not only refresh our families, but to actually refresh our communities, to refresh our workplaces, to refresh our schools, to refresh 
everybody that were coming around. These people were so into serving others that Paul came in weary, but he left refreshed. They were addicted to ministering to people. Now, the Greek word here, the word addicted, means to arrange your life around your addiction. It means to arrange your life around your addiction. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of addicted to really good barbecues. I'm kind of starting to get addicted to a really good brisket. Can I get some support here? Thank you, I'm not on my own. And you know, to do a brisket on the barbecue requires about eight to nine hours of commitment. First of all, you've got to get the barbecue going. Then you've got to make sure that the bricks are put in the right spot because you don't want directional cooking. You want indirectional cooking. Come on, stay with me. I know this is, this is tough stuff for you this morning. Then you've got to make sure that you cook it with the fat side up with a good rub. You've got to have a rub on it for at least 24 hours in the fridge so that it absorbs all the... Come on, I need, I need some. And, and then... then then once you get that on the barbecue, you want to you throw in a couple of bits of hickory wood or whatever to just give it that really good smoky flavor, yeah? And, and then you've got to get it to the right temperature, about 180, 190 degrees, and you just have it there on the barbecue. But every hour you've got to lift the lid and you get your water bottle and you squirt it so that it keeps the moisture in it, yeah? Because it's got to have a jiggle at the end of the day, doesn't it? And then after about four hours, you then take it off and you, you wrap it in tinfoil, you pour a bit of beef broth in there so that it gets some moisture back into it, and then you stick it back on the barbie for about another four hours, and then you let it sit for an hour before you cut it. But as soon as you cut it, you want to eat it because it dries out real fast. That's commitment, isn't it? Because basically, if I'm going to have a brisket on the barbecue, it means I'm at home all day. I got to set my timer every hour to get up and shh. Like this is, there, there can't be interruptions here. There has to be, I mean, I'm looking at the moment, I, I'm finding a better way to do this, but I'm looking at the moment of getting a, a, a thermometer that's Bluetooth so it just goes straight to my phone so I don't have to get up and go and look at it all the time. You know, there's a commitment. Like if we're going to have a brisket, the day has to be built around the brisket. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And what the Greek word says here is it means to arrange your life around this addiction. And, and these guys are saying, I, we've addicted ourselves, we've made a decision, we've been intentional about addicting ourselves to ministering to people, which means that we have to rearrange our lives so that our life is arranged around people. I have to rearrange my Saturday so that my Saturday is arranged around brisket. Are you with me this morning? And Paul is saying here, he says, I'm so glad about them coming because what they did for me, you guys didn't do for me. He's saying, I've been here with you guys and you, you haven't refreshed me. You haven't, I've, I've been weary and you've done nothing to refresh me. I'm so glad that these guys came because if they didn't came, I never would have got refreshed because they brought with them something that was refreshing. They came because they're addicted to ministering to people that they came and what they brought refreshed me. What was lacking in you, they brought to the table. 
I would hate to think that we would be the kind of church that people would come to and go, you know what, what's, what they're lacking, I found somewhere else. What the church was lacking, I found at the pub. What the church was lacking, I found in my biker club or whatever it is. What the church was lacking, I found in my brisket. What the church was lacking, I found somewhere else. I think it would be a sad state of affairs that we become a place where people can't find what it is that they're looking for, that when they come in here, they actually don't feel refreshed. They come in weary and leave feeling just as weary. What a sad state of affairs that it would be if people coming in weary never left refreshed. And I believe that we live at a time now which is the greatest opportunity, no matter what the TV tells you, and no matter what the news tells you, and no matter what people tell you about how bad the world is because of COVID, it is the opportune, absolute best time in the world to be a Christian full of faith in the body of Christ because the opportunities for us are way beyond our wildest dreams. But it means we've got to arrange our lives a little bit different. You see, the ones that Paul was with before the others came, they, have a, they had a I have to attitude rather than I get to attitude. They, uh, there's nothing worse, I don't know about you, but I've employed people before, and there's nothing worse than having an employee that turns up and, and they're, they're a paycheck employee. You know what I mean. They're turning up because you're paying them. Not because they really want to be there, it's just a paycheck to them. You ask them if they can stay 10 minutes late and it's like you just murdered their mother or something, you know? They, they have a I have to turn up here kind of attitude rather than I want to be here. I want to help, I want to be part of this. And these guys, they were like, man, we get to do this. This is awesome, we get to do this. They were addicted, they were addicted. And, and when you're an addict, you always need a fix, yeah? And these guys were like, man, we're addicted to serving people, so where's our next thing? So they travel because they've got to find someone else that they can minister to, and they find Paul in a place where he should have been refreshed, not been refreshed, and they get, oh, oh here we go. And then they get their fix by being able to serve him. Let me serve. They were hooked and obsessed with serving people. Jesus said this, as we all know, that he said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And friend, for you and I, that once we're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, you're meant to get addicted to ministry somewhere, somehow. You're not meant to consume this upon yourself. You're not meant to just have my nice little thing, turn up to church on Sunday, tick the box, I'm a good Christian. No, the Bible says that God has given us gifts, God has given us abilities, God has given us a purpose, God has a plan for the people around you, and our job is to find what it is that He wants us to do and make sure that we addict ourselves to the ministry of people not addicted to the fame of what you're doing, but being addicted to the ministry of people. You see, you have to understand that, that Jesus didn't die on the cross just to get you and I into heaven. But it is so you and I can help others get to heaven. And how we help them get to heaven is by being addicted to people being addicted to loving people, being addicted to serving people. You have to have a servant attitude when you start doing this because as a servant 
if you don't have a servant attitude, then you're going to quit when you don't get to do the things that you want to do. I don't know about you, but there's plenty of times um, before I was the boss that I had to do things in my workplace that I didn't enjoy doing. I still have things now that I have to do that I don't enjoy doing. Is there anybody here that loves doing administration? See, see what I'm talking about? They're a strange bunch, administrators. I hate doing that. It's like, I, I remember sometimes I've sat down with Andrew and Andrew goes, I need you to do this and this and this. And I'll be like, yep, I'll get on to that. And then the phone goes and it's somebody saying, oh, you want to have a coffee? Yep, pastoral care, here we go. You know, it's not my fault I didn't get that done, Andrea. People first. I would rather sit down any day and have a chat with somebody for an hour or so than to sit down and do admin. Even sometimes when I'm putting messages together for a Sunday, it's like I'm looking for an outlet because I'm just about blowing my brain out, just... <laughs> and so then it's like, hey, because Maddie works in the office, or Anna, hey, should we, should we have a meeting at the cafe? <laughs> you know? Just, I'm going to get out of here. It's the, the thing is, is that you know you don't have a servant attitude when you get upset about doing things you, you don't want to do. You know you have a servant attitude when you pull out or you don't do things because it's not what I want to do. Are you with me today? You know whether you have a servant attitude or not when you get treated like a servant and how you respond. I remember someone that I look up to a little bit, um, well, not a little bit, quite a bit, in, in the nation of New Zealand, Pastor Paul de Jong. He once said this, he was talking about how he went out to his backyard and there was a apple tree in his backyard and it was producing apples and so he pulled an apple off the apple tree and he ate it and then he walked back inside he didn't really think anything about it and he said this and it resonated with me he said not once did I thank the apple tree for doing what the apple tree should do and I think what's happened in the church to a little bit I'm not saying that we shouldn't thank people but I think what's happened in the church a little bit is people have excuse me thanked me thanked me for doing what I should be doing Come on. If you don't thank me for doing what I should do, biblically, serving, being part of the kingdom of God, then I'm not going to help and I'm going to leave. But the tree in his backyard didn't turn around and go, that's it, I quit, I'm going to kill myself now and die. So he can't have apples anymore. Now I'm not saying that we shouldn't thank people, but if that's what you're looking for, friend, you've got the wrong spirit. You've got a highland spirit rather than the sun spirit. See, a highland spirit is somebody that does something because they get paid for it. A son does it because they love the father. Come on. <laughs> Not many people are liking me today. It's okay. You see, you don't always get to serve in the area that you feel called to. And you don't have to go past the book of Nehemiah to see that. And Nehemiah, what does he do? He grabs these, these guys, these pharmacists. Their, their, their job was to make perfume. In fact, what they made was the, the anointing oil. They used to mix and play with perfumes. And, and Nehemiah's like, we're going to get the walls of the city rebuilt. Um, so now you're not a pharmacist anymore. You're now building walls. And not only that, are you going to build walls, but on one hand, you're going to build the wall. On the other hand, you're going to have a sword. And they'll be like, you don't understand. Like, my, my, my hands are soft. I'm a pharmacist. 
I don't do wall building. And Nehemiah's like, no, you're going to help us rebuild the wall. But, but pastor, that's, that's not my calling. You don't understand, I have, a, I have a prophecy gifting and I go around profiting on everybody. <laughs> I don't do vacuuming. You know, if you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. A job as Christians, once we've found Christ, once we've given our life to him, is to serve him like he served us when he went to the cross and died for the sins of the world. Why? Because there are people dying and going to hell in our community every single day, and they need us to do for them what Christ did for us. We've got to get addicted to people. The spirit of a servant doesn't mean that you get to do the things that you want to do. Nehemiah took 52 days to rebuild it because he had a bunch of people who really didn't know what they were doing. Now, when you're addicted, you actually don't care where you serve as long as you get to serve. When you're addicted, you'll take it any way that you can get it. And he says here, he says, I, he says, I saw the first fruits of Achaia. And, and here's the thing, I love that he says, I saw the first fruits, because for an addiction to happen, an addiction has to start. An addiction always starts somewhere, yeah? Addictions don't happen, addictions get started. It all begins with a, with a love and a passion for people, and just wanting to love people. And, and the thing about someone who's addicted to something is that a, an addict loves it, an addict can't get enough of it. An alcoholic can't get enough of the bottle. A, a, a cocaine addict can't get enough of the cocaine. They love it. They go looking for it. But we have to love people and we have to love the church. And it starts by loving people. All of a sudden, we start to get addicted to it. And, and I just wonder a little bit in my own life and in your life, just how strong is our addiction to people? How strong is our addiction to doing the work of the ministry? I, every now and then, on my day off when I've got nothing else to do. I, I like watching this program on, on Netflix called World's Toughest Prisons. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I, I, I would never ever go to any of the world's toughest prisons because I'm not tough. Unlike Wayne Roxburgh, he's really tough. Um, so I'm just not tough enough, but I, I love watching this because I just think it's amazing just some of what goes on in the world around us in, in New Zealand prisons, you know, prisoners don't get it tough at all. They get it real good compared to some other parts of the world. But this, this guy, he goes into these prisons and he goes into all these bad places, the world's toughest prisons, and he, and he just talks to the different prisoners and he, and he basically stays with them for a week and does everything that they do. And, and I was watching it once and I, and I saw that they get very little food or they have to work or they have to get money somehow so they can get food. And this one prisoner was really, really excited because he'd had a visit from a family member who gave him enough money to go and buy uh, a couple of apples and an orange. And I was like, yeah, man, fruit is good. Like, I don't know what sort of diet they have in prison, but a bit of fruit would be awesome. And, uh, but what he did is he took that fruit and he went into the room that he was in, and he put the fruit in the toilet bowl. And I'm like, why? Because if he waits for a little bit and it starts to rot and everything, then he starts to get alcohol in his toilet bowl. 
And then a little bit later on, they do this kind of thing, like three weeks later kind of scenario, where there's him and a bunch of his mates in the cell, just putting their cups into the toilet bowl and having a good drinking time. And I thought to myself, man, when you're addicted to something, when you're addicted to something, you aren't picky about how you get it as long as you get it. When you're addicted to something, you just ain't picky. Drug addicts don't care where they get the next fix or where it is or how dirty it is as long as they get their next fix. When you're addicted, you crave it so much you don't care where it comes from. You don't care who's preaching. You don't care who's singing. You don't care what songs are being played. You don't care whether you like the style or not as long as you get to be part of it and serve. When you're addicted, you're not picky. And I wonder how far are we prepared to go for the cravings of the Holy Spirit to see people saved and set free? How far are we prepared to go? How unpicky are we prepared to be to see lives change? Because God craves for a people that will do whatever it takes to see its community one for Christ. God's looking for people who aren't picky, but are just like, here I am. I'm addicted to people. I want to see them saved. I don't care what I do and where I do it. I just want to see lives transformed. And sometimes when I look at the church, and I'm not talking about this, I'm talking about the church, and I look at the book of Acts where people were beheaded and people were sawn in two and people had all these things, and I wonder how our church or the church today fits into the book of Acts. It'll be like this, and so-and-so was beheaded, but so-and-so left the church because the music was too loud. It just doesn't fit, guys. And I'm sorry, I know this is a bit tough and some of you are not liking what I'm saying right now, but here's the deal. People have died. My grandfather was kicked out of Bible college for speaking in tongues. People have paid a huge price for us to have what we have here today. And it's just too easy for us to get comfortable with this and lose sight that we need to be addicted to seeing people saved, to seeing lives transformed, and we all have a part to play because as we heard two weeks ago, we're not individuals, but we are the body of Christ. And the body of Christ doesn't sit inside the four walls, but it becomes the hands and the feet of Jesus and our community, and it gets addicted to it. You know, I watched another Netflix thing during lockdown. I kind of like the mafia stuff too. I watched the thing about Pablo Escobar. You guys are like, you've got weird stuff that you watch. I'm just interested in the stuff, not because I'm thinking of drug trafficking. <laughs> Although the tithe on that could be really good. But anyway, that's just a joke. Moses felt that. But I, I'm watching this thing and I, and, and I can see these people, I, I understand that they're desperate, these people are desperate that do this, but you know, sometimes I watch border security on TV too and it just amazes me all the time how people say, no, no food, and then they've got like 17 suitcases of food, but anyway. But people swallow balloons of drugs to get them into, they put their lives at risk to get the product into the community. They put everything at risk. They risk their lives, 
They risk their family. They risk everything to get that product to the destination that they're trying to do. They'll risk everything for that product. And I, sometimes I have to ask myself, and I ask you this morning, what will we risk? What will we risk if a drug pusher will risk his life to get his product of death into the community? What will we risk to get the message of life and hope into our community? If they'll do that to get death into that community, what will we risk to get the life and the light of Christ into our community? There's a missionary in India who used to take teams into the different parts of India, and he used to always go into the, to the wop-wops of India, into the rural, like, out-of-the-way places, like hike for a couple of days to get to a village kind of scenario, and he used to take teams with him, and they'd have to walk for a couple of days, but they would, you know, go through rivers and, and all these sorts of things, you know, it's not, it's not a holiday. Missions trips, just so I can get this really, really clear, and not not trying to point this at anybody at all, but mission trips are not a holiday. As every time I go to Fiji, Trinity goes, enjoy your holiday. It's not a holiday. But these guys are, are um, going through the bush and everything. And anyway, he tells a story of they're going through these rivers and these rivers, there's about 10 rivers for them to cross to get to the, to the village. And in these rivers are leeches. And, and as they're walking through the river, some of the people traveling with him um, through the first river, they, they stop. And he goes, what have you stopped for? No, I've got a leech on my leg. I need to get my leech off. And he's like, no, 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 no. We don't stop for one leech. We'll stop when you've got about 12. And his attitude was this. We don't stop for one leech. We'll stop when you get to 12 because we've got to get to the village. We've got to get the gospel through to the village. We've got to get Christ through to the village. We don't stop because one leech is on you. We're going to keep going. And once you've got 12, then you can stop because nothing's going to stop us from reaching the village. And I sometimes have to ask myself, and hopefully you will ask yourself, what stops me? Do, do I wait until there's 12 or do I stop at one? Do I cease at one? Is it the first criticism that stops me or do I wait for the 12th one? Because I can tell you this, if you're gonna be someone who's addicted to serving people, if you're gonna be someone who's addicted to seeing the kingdom of God come in our community, you better be ready to be criticized. Because the minute you pop your head up, the enemy is going to want to wob it off. You've gotta be prepared for what's gonna come your way. The Bible puts it this way, it says, no man builds a tower who doesn't actually count the cost first. And I think too many people don't count the cost. And they, I, want, you know, I, want, I want salvation, I want forgiveness for my sins, but that's where it stops. I wanna get into heaven, but Jesus is not fire insurance. The Bible says this, that we should imitate him, that we should become like him that we should do what he does, that we should be who he is, that we should love our community, that we should serve in church, that we should give, that we should do all the things that Christ did because if we are Christ followers, then we should be coming more and more like Christ. And my big concern for the world today is when I look around at the church worldwide, I think we've come away from some of those things. 
We don't talk about sin anymore. We don't talk about commitment anymore. We don't talk about, you know, suck it up, buttercup, and get on with it anymore. We, we've lost our resilience. We've lost our backbone. We get upset about the littlest of things and move on instead of understanding, hey, it's not about me, and it's not about what I like. It's about seeing lives changed and transformed. It's about seeing churches planted throughout locations throughout our nation and seeing lives changed. It's not about me anymore. It's no longer I that lives but Christ who lives in me. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. And my big worry for us in 2020 is that as we've come through COVID, I think we've become a world that's all about me again. And how am I gonna survive and how am I gonna get through this? And yet I talk to people that we support all over the world and people that I support, we support in Uganda you know, by doing the medical clinics and all that sort of stuff. And you know what their problem is? Their problems are way greater than our problems. Like if they don't have wage subsidies from the government, it's basically if they don't work, they starve and they die. When you're addicted, you don't stop for criticism. You don't stop for every leech. When you're addicted, you can't get enough. You can't wait to get to church. You can't wait to get to youth. When you're addicted, you never give up. Just like the bamboo, Chinese bamboo plant, even though you plant it and for five years you see nothing, in the fifth year it grows nearly 25 metres in six weeks. You don't give up. You don't quit. When you're addicted, you keep doing it. You're faithful. You stay addicted. Like the woman who came to Jesus and said, will you heal my daughter? And he turns to her and says, Get away from me, you little dog, basically, is what he says to her. And she doesn't quit. She goes, yeah, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. To which Jesus' response is this, no greater faith have I seen in anyone than I've seen in this woman. You don't quit. You don't give up. You keep going. You don't let God, you don't let anything get in the way. You just need a word from God to keep going. You just need something to keep you going. Don't quit. You know, in the world today, um, there's 1.9 billion people that drink Coke every single day in the world. It's a lot. Yet Coke has this new campaign that they launched probably about three or four years ago, and it's called, this is called a Coke in the hand of every man by the year 2050. So their goal is to put a Coke in the hand of every single person on the face of the planet by 2050. And the reason why they started to do that. I mean, if you've got 1.9 billion people a day having a can of Coke in a, in a world of 6 billion, that's like a third of the world. That's pretty good market share, yes? But they decided that they wanted a Coke in the hand at every single person. Why? Because they found out that Pepsi was growing faster than them in third world countries. And Coke's big issue is this, is that to them, Pepsi is fake and Coke is the real thing. So to them, Pepsi is the, is the fake. It's the imposter. And so we've got to get the real thing, Coke, into the hand of every man. And even though they have 1.9 billion people a day, they're not stopping until they have 6 billion people a day. So you're like, oh, that'll be me, I drink water. Good. You know, we've got, we, we've got to get hold of the real thing that we have, which is Jesus. The real thing. The real thing. 
We may not be able to compete with some of the things that the world does, but the world can never compete with Jesus. Never compete with Jesus. Never compete with his love. Never compete with his forgiveness. Never compete with his mercy and his grace and his goodness. Can never compete with that. Nothing else can take away the sin of the world other than Jesus. And we've got to get addicted to the ministry of people. Let me just give you three quick things as I finish that I think we've got to get addicted to. The first one is we need to get addicted to prayer. We need to get addicted to prayer. Oh, well, I'm more of a worshiper than a prayer. Well, that's cool because Satan used to worship Jesus in heaven too. Some of you are like, ooh, <laughs> just stayed home today. <laughs> Here's the thing. Prayer meetings are mentioned 28 times in the book of Acts. The early church prayed, and they 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 prayed. I'm not, t- I'm not saying to you don't worship. I think you should worship. In fact, if you don't worship, if you don't lift your hands, if you don't engage, then I, I, I wonder what's wrong with you because I love God so much. I want to give him my whole life and I surrender to him when I lift my hands. Or I'm saying to him, Daddy, pick me up when I lift my hands. But we're going to pray. We've got to get addicted to prayer. We've got to get... I'm sorry that I'm saying all of this, but I've just had too many people in the last three, three weeks tell me, what's going on in the worlds, and some of it is really, really rough, and I'm not being horrible to them, but the first thing I always ask them is, have you prayed about it? And somehow prayer has become our last resort instead of our first response. We've got to get addicted to prayer again. We've got to get addicted to His Word. Well, when I, I've tried to read the Word, but it's just kind of dry. It just doesn't really work for me. Did you know that... Um, that most smokers, 90% of smokers, said that they didn't like cigarettes when they started smoking them? Do you know that most drug addicts vomit the first few times they take drugs before they get high? I'm not saying that if you read your Bible, you're going to vomit. But they don't stop, do they? They don't stop. And the thing about reading the Word of God, the way to get addicted to the Word of God, see, here's the thing, in the natural, if we don't eat food, we get hungry, yeah? But in the spiritual world, the more you read the word, the hungrier you get. Absence doesn't feed hunger. It's the more, we're going to get addicted to his word because if you don't have his word, then you don't have the answer to your situations. But not only do you not have the answer to your situations, you don't have the answer to your neighbor's situation. We've got to get addicted to prayer. We've got to get addicted to his word. And we've got to get addicted to unity. We've got to get addicted to unity. We can't allow gossiping and backbiting to take place in the kingdom. Let me, let me ask you this question of, this is why I believe that unity is so important. Have you ever heard of hell having a split? Hell has never split. Why? Because hell is unified by hate. Hate of you and hate of me and hate of everybody else. So if hate unifies hell, how much more should love unify the church? Are you with me today? You see, it took three words to raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come forth. Yet Christ prayed five times that God would make us one, which says this to me, that it takes more power to bring unity to the church than it does to raise a dead man from the dead.
The reason why I'm talking about this today is this. If we can come together and be the body of Christ, if we can be addicted to unity, if we can be addicted to His Word, if we can be addicted to prayer, if we can be addicted to those things, then what the Bible teaches us is that wherever we go, we will refresh others. We will bring life where there's death. We will bring transformation where there's trauma. We will bring healing where there's hurt. And it's our job. It's our responsibility. For some reason, Jesus decided that the best vehicle or the best thing for reaching the world around us was not him turning up and clicking his fingers, but was you and I knocking on the door of our neighbors. And I just believe that we've got to get addicted to him and addicted to serving his purposes because we've got a world out there that needs us. And sitting, not turning up to church on Sunday is great, but if that's all we do, then we're depriving the world of the refreshing and the restoring and the God stuff that it so desperately needs.